Well, Kurt, you have a resource for us. You do. I do, man. Please because, share. Uh, don't forget, we are just a couple um, weeks away. Literally, well, next week, right? Today's the 18th. We've got the 25th, and then <clears throat> we don't have another Wednesday. Yeah. Next week? We watch, I thought we were going to do the day after. Because the day after is the 1st. Oh, November 1st? Is that yeah, what we're doing? I think so. Okay. But we can do whatever. We'll do November 1st. That'll give us <clears throat> another week. To, yeah. Anyway, um, so <clears throat> we're going to be watching Luther on November 1st. So um, I am recommending tonight um, a book called Here I Stand, A Life of Martin Luther. Um, this is it. The artwork is incredible. Um, yeah. Great book. It's a great book. Yeah. So kind of like the life of Martin, Marty, Marty Luther. So if you haven't read, uh, any of anything about Luther or work on his, his life, um, then this would be a, a great one. Um, I just ordered another one. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good ones out there. I just so, ordered another, not a copy of Here I Stand, but another Luther book to read over the course of this Reformation month. That's good. That's good. Very good. What about you, Andrew? Um, I'll I'll recommend a resource in light of 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 this whole kind of time that we're in. Um, if you go to <clears throat> desiringgod.com or .org, whatever it is, um, there is. They're doing every single day a special like blog post for not only it's 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 kind of the lesser known figures of the Reformation. Um, so you're not going to read it about Luther on there, but you can read about these guys that you've probably never heard of before that uh, <clears throat> were very influential in the Reformation, but just lesser known guys, right? Um, so they, they take one a day and they're just kind of writing about that person's life and their significance in the life of the church and the reformation. So you can put your email address in, they'll email you one every morning. So, um, but just kind of be sensitive over the next couple weeks to websites that we talk about a lot, like desiring God or the gospel coalition for the church. church. There's going to be articles written just about, um, the significance of the Reformation because this year's the 500th anniversary um, from 1517 when Luther uh, nailed his 95 theses to the door of the Catholic Church and literally changed the world. Can I name one more resource? Please do, man. So I saw – if you've ever heard of the Village Church before, it's, um, it's a church uh, pastored by Matt Chandler in Texas. And if you go to their you – you guys have Instagram, most of you guys? If you go to the Village Church's Instagram right now, in their bio, there is a link to a um, – like a timeline, like a Reformation timeline. And it is really, really cool. It's cool. Um, and so, yeah, check the Village Church on Instagram and, um, and then go to their um, – it's it's called the Reformation of Visual Timeline, uh, and it's really 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 cool. This is kind of what it looks like right here. I just um, it kind of goes through like uh, like what's going on and like you know like the characters and I mean it's just really really neat. Like it's kind of long, but it, and the, like the illustrations are awesome too. So um, check it out. It's really cool. <coughs> Thank you.
All right. I'm checking it out right now. <laughs> right now. <clears throat> that is cool. It's very cool. Very good. <clears throat> All right. Well, if you got your Bible, let's go to Acts chapter 18. And uh, we're going to look at a passage tonight, uh, verses 1 through 22, uh, as we continue the study of the book of Acts and uh, kind of what's going on um, What's going on in the story? So, uh, last week we were in Athens, and we saw that um, Paul, as he's sitting there waiting for um, uh, for Timothy and Silas to, to meet up with him, it, uh, he just notices the Athenian culture. It's full of idols, and um, he sees with his eyes, and then he it says that he's, he's stirred, he's provoked. Because of the city being full of idols. Um, and then he immediately begins to engage. Uh, we said a couple different cultures. He goes to the synagogue. He goes to the marketplace. And mm-hmm. just begins to talk to people about um, about Christ. He engages some intellectuals who want to know more. And they pull him kind of to this hillside where he gives this very thorough, very wise gospel presentation. He says mm-hmm. things like, God's the creator of life and us and this world and um, just does a wonderful job of explaining the gospel to a, a very uh, <clears throat> pagan culture. And in doing so, he, he goes at some of the, the, uh, the philosophies of the Stoics and, and these people um, with the gospel. So he said that he's passionate, but he's mm. also very wise. Um, and then the end, the, these continued various reactions to the gospel. Some people believe, some people, you know, mock him and, mm. and um, you know, some want to know more. So in some ways the story continues just with the, the faithful perseverance of, of guys like Paul to, um, continue this 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 gospel work. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of where we were last week, but in some ways, that's what we've seen for several weeks now. Um, just kind of that those same themes running forward. And to be honest, um, we get a little more of the same tonight um, with mm-hmm. Paul and Corinth. Um, yeah. Anything you would add? No. All right. Well, let's read. So. We're going to do verses 1 through 22. Why don't we give them our section break? <clears throat> Sounds good. So you go ahead and use <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> Okay. Well, if you look at the passage, um, <clears throat> it looks like in these first <clears> – sorry. I can't stop coughing. Yeah, you got problems. I know. <clears throat> The first four verses of chapter 18 um, are about Paul and his job. Uh, Paul's a bivocational ministry guy. He, he, he works a, 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 a secular job um, and also uh, serves in ministry. First four verses are about Paul's um, tent-making uh, job. And, um, and then verses 5 through 8 are... Uh, Ministry, uh, kind of the diversity of ministry that continues for um, for Paul. Then uh, in verses nine and ten, there's this promise, this word from the Lord um, to Paul, followed up by a um, kind of a uh, what would you call it a, a point of conflict um, in the culture um, with Paul's message, um, like in verses eleven through seventeen. Ish, and then eighteen through twenty-two are 
Paul's kind of return back to Antioch. So yeah. um, that's a lot of breaks, but I don't know. This 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 section to me feels um, like there's several sections. There's a lot of transitions. Yeah, a lot of transitions. So yeah. take note of that as we read. All right. Sounds good. You going to read for us? Sure, man. All right, let's do it. Um, Acts chapter 18. <clears throat> After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Galeo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Galeo said to the Jews, If it were, if it were a matter of wrongdoing, or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosothenus, uh, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. tribunal. <clears throat> But Galileo paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Caesarea, he had uh, cut his hair for he was under a vow and they came to Ephesus and he left them there. But he himself went into the synagogue reasoning, uh, reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail for Ephesus, from Ephesus. Let's pray. Father, thanks for your goodness and um, for your grace and for your word and just time together tonight to be gathered around it. We pray that you would um, just open our hearts and our eyes to the truth uh, that you have um, preserved for us and that you proclaim to us um, and that we might seek to uh, apply it uh, rightly in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 
you know, I was thinking as you were reading, um, in some ways the story of Acts is, is the story of Paul. And, you know, you can't help but as we as we read this this book to uh, to want to lean in a little bit more in, into Paul's life and, yeah. and just the things that we see, um, you know, Paul's love for the church, the gospel, the mission of the Lord is 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 just on display by way of his commitment to it. You know, yeah, um, that that we just have seen week in week out. Um, yeah. Understanding that is so important, like as we work through this this book. And so for those of you who are like relatively new um, to like this time that we have together or, uh, you know, you don't have a whole lot of context about like who Paul is and what's going on in his life, understanding and, and, and growing to like see his love for the gospel and his love for people that we see in this like passage even tonight, right? Um is so important and helps that what we're going to see happen like towards the end of this book, mm-hmm. like really be like powerful. You know what I mean? Like it, it, getting who Paul is now helps us to understand some of the difficulties that we're going to see him experience later on and how he responds to it. So yeah. Yeah. it's fun to read this and to say like, okay, let's get to know Paul a little bit. Right. Um, you know, I jotted a couple notes down just about the, co- uh, by way of the context for a passion the passage like we have tonight we talked about this earlier too you know we've seen over the weeks um with these stories of what's going on what seems to be the complexity of ministry you know that it's not easy it's not normal it's not the same from town to town um you know but all the while paul being faithful to it which seems um to have created Almost this like spirit of fatigue in him, right? That he's that uh, there's a couple things that we'll bring out in this passage that almost lead us to say mm-hmm. that Paul's at a point where he's tired now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's um, he's almost worn out. You know, he doesn't stop, he doesn't check out. Um, but some of the things that we see here um, almost almost point to the fact that you know we need to take into account um, just the, the Paul maybe at a low point here. Yeah. Um, Part of that comes from the first four verses that, for the first time in the book, really talk about his vocation, right? That we're confronted with the fact that this guy is not only blowing it up day by day for the Lord via ministry, but he's also got this side job of tent making. Um, uh, Just notice, after Paul left Athens, he went to Corinth and found a Jew named Aquila, native of Pontius, recently from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Um... And verse three, they were of the same trade. Uh, he stayed stayed with them and worked with them, for they were tent makers. Um, so there's this. I don't know. There's this this short little insert here where we we meet Priscilla and Aquila, who turn out to be just phenomenal. Uh, co-workers in the mission of the gospel. Um, but this this detail that, look, you know, lest we forget, not only is Paul going from town to town preaching and uh, teaching people, but he's also doing the work of a tent maker. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of work. Yeah. You know? This is a great, like, illustration of what it looks like to do, like, everyday task with gospel intentionality right like um that that paul is he's working a job you know what i mean and he's um 
and then through that and in that remains faithful to mm-hmm. like gospel proclamation and yeah. like teaching and making disciples and evangelism right like yeah. th- that's you know and that's what it looks like for a lot of people yeah. you know like yeah. um, I think to be honest that's what it looks like for for it should look like for most people absolutely you know, like we live and you know in some ways probably guys like Kirk and I who are working in the church every day or in some ways probably more connected to this like Christian subculture of like, you know, I don't, I I don't even know how to fully explain it, but it seems like that just everybody's super gifted, super holy, you know, just like really, really, um, you know, um, talented for the Lord. Um, and a lot of people are left looking at that going, well, like, I don't really feel like I'm that gifted. You know, I don't really feel like I have a lot to author offer. You know, I'm not a great teacher. Or I'm not a, you know, but we see here that kind of the old, um, what's the old, the old image that hard work beats talent every day. You know, I mean that, that you don't have to be the, you know, this is not, this is not a picture of, of, of glamor and, and tons of like, you know, giftedness, but it's just a picture of faithfully working hard for Jesus, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's where most of us are going to live out the day to day, work of our faith over the long haul, you know, mm-hmm. um, which is encouraging. I think, I think it's really encouraging. Um, and it should encourage us that you can do ministry this way and that Paul did it that way. Right. Um, yeah. Verse four. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. So right here with this, this life that Paul's living, um, you know, of uh, by way of his vocation is also um, him leveraging uh, him leveraging his time also for the Lord. Um, so, as Kirk said, you know, we want to think about how we can be intentional with the gospel in the mundane, everyday, right, in the ordinary course of your life, um, <clears throat> and to not miss the opportunities that the Lord brings our way. So, yeah, and we meet Priscilla and Aquila, man, like just uh, a. The husband and wife duo, you know, it's almost a sub, another branch off this tree of how, how a husband and wife can serve the Lord together mm-hmm. as a marriage team, you know, yeah. that, um, all throughout acts like Priscilla and Aquila are, are, are a picture of healthy marriage, healthy ministry, what it looks like to serve the Lord, what it looks like to just knock it out for the Lord. Um, and they're an exciting couple to, to kind of follow through the story as well. Yeah. Um, and then verse 5, Silas and Timothy show up that Paul's been waiting on really since last week. So the beginning of chapter 17, Paul was still waiting on them. And, um, and, and here we go in verse 5, Silas and Timothy arrive from Macedonia. Now when they get there, it says that Paul was occupied with the word, um, which is a, a nice way to be found, right? <laughs> you know, just... Hey, tied up with the word. I'm doing a good work, and I can't come down. <laughs> right, right? A little, Nehemiah. A little Nehemiah action here. Um, but in verses five through eight, uh, we see we see the ministry of Paul um, here. That um, again, a lot of various responses. Some people support him, some people oppose him, but he's faithful through it all. Right, he's occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that Christ, that the Christ was Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we talked about this last week, that Paul is, is Christ-centered in the very heart of what it means to be Christ-centered, right? Mm-hmm. By, what, by what the way just means to, to do right by Jesus, to explain Christ in the right way, in the appropriate way, and in the often way. Um, and that, that, that's what he's doing. Um, verse 6, when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, um, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. So, look, opposition, yeah. but it doesn't stop me. It doesn't slow me down. I'll just go somewhere else. Yeah. Which is inter- – like I think it's an interesting statement from Paul because when you think about like the crucifixion of Jesus, like what was the cry of the crowds? Like, Pilate says, like, his blood won't be on me. And they respond by saying, like, let his blood be on us and on our children, right? And here Paul says, you know, and we we talk about, like, okay, yeah, like, exactly what they need. You know what I mean? Like, they're crying out for, but they're not doing it in the same way, right? Right. Um, Right. Here you've got Paul saying, your blood be on your own heads. Your blood, yeah. which doesn't accomplish anything. That's right. Like, it's not redemptive. And, and and you're confronted in this passage, too, in their rejection with the harsh reality of the the ensuing judgment of God on people who reject him. Yeah. Um, who, who don't come under his blood, but rather will end up spilling their own blood uh, for their own sake. Uh, so he moves on, and he literally moves across the street. <laughs> Did you catch that? Um, a little detail in verse 7. He left there and went to the house of a man named Titus. Uh, how do we say it? Titus Justice. A worshiper of God. And then listen, his house was next door to the synagogue. I love that, man. Paul's like, y'all can have this. I'm out. And does not get it. goes right next door, right? I mean, like, you want to see, like, we sit up here every week and go, man, like, Paul's faithful. Like, he's bold. Like, he's crazy. But I mean, like, he really is. Like, I mean, he, he, you know, I mean, man, rejection. And then right next door, um, he engages yeah. this guy. You know what? Like, forget you guys. I'm going home. Like, he's like right next door. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, and the story is so awesome at this point. Um, is, is that he meets this guy named um, this guy named Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue. And listen to what happens. Verse eight. He believed in the Lord um, together with his entire household. Yeah. Um, so he leaves the synagogue. He get like he gets basically like, okay, you know what? Like I'm out of here. Leaves the synagogue, goes next door, and the ruler of the synagogue like yeah. becomes a Christian and like, his whole family. Yeah, yeah. And then and then look at the influence. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed and were baptized. You know, so like look like this. He goes to this house. Uh, Christmas's family believe, and then from from his continued ministry in Corinthians, look, a lot of people believed and were baptized. Um, so, again, another example of what it means to be persistent, to persevere in the work of, of ministry, um, to be faithful in, uh, in such, and to see the Lord work in great ways. Yeah, and that's informed by what we're going to see in just a minute, right? Like following – like this, this message from the Lord to Paul like in this like dream, right? The, the yeah. confidence is in, um, in God's faithfulness – 
to work, right? To yeah. to save people. And right. so when there is this dust up at the synagogue that results in Paul going, you know what, like I'm out of here. Like it's not a, okay, like I give up on the whole thing, right? But it's, okay, well, I'm going next door, you know, and and the Lord remains faithful. You know, there's this yeah. belief, there's this belief in Paul mm-hmm. that like the Lord is faithful to accomplish his work. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then we get this the scene change in verse nine um, with this dream that the Lord speaks to Paul through. Yeah. And um and and the Lord reassures him in this. You know, this is a little bit of in the beginning we said that, you know, Paul possibly uh we can't speak with uh, certainty, but Paul may be tired, he may be at a low point here. Um as even in verse six, when he's like, "I'm innocent," right? I mean, it's almost this tone of frustration in Paul's, uh, with Paul, in 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 kind of how how this is going. But uh, the Lord comes to him in a dream, verse nine, and says some some very specific things. Um, look at verse nine. Uh, the Lord said, "Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent." For I'm with you, and no one will attack you to harm you. For I have many in this city who are my people. Mm. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. What do we make of this vision (laughs) Um, and these things that the Lord says? Well, what what does the Lord say? What what does he say to Paul in this dream? Yeah, well, I mean, he says... uh, he says, I'm with you, right? Yeah. And so he assures Paul of his presence, yeah. right, with Paul as he goes about this work. And then he promises uh, protection, yeah. right? Yeah. He, he says, I'm with you. Um, you have my presence and no one will harm you, right? right? Like I'll protect you. Yeah, yeah. He tells him uh, not to be silent, yeah. to, to continue to, to continue proclamation, right? Um, I love the mandate for 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 proclamation that the Lord the Lord gives him, um, accompanied with this this promise that you know what I'll protect you. Yeah, um, and from all that, don't be afraid, right? Like fear, like you know, he almost rebukes his fear and and uh, encourages him to, uh, to 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 not be afraid, to not. Uh, to not lose heart. Yeah, I made a. Uh, I, at some point, we went through this uh, this this book before, and I made a note here about what we see God doing in Acts eighteen in the life of Paul. Um, we we see God step in with faithful love to strengthen Paul's resolve, right? And so, in light of you know some of the things that we've already noted and noticed about where Paul might be, mm-hmm. some of the things he's experiencing, thinking, feeling. Um, here the Lord is, is, uh, if that is true, uh, clearly aware Mm -hmm. of Paul's condition. Um, and he, he acts in like this really powerful way in order to, um, to strengthen him, right. And to encourage him to continue on in the work. So there's this, there's this call for Paul and for us 
to trust the promises of God, right? To, to believe what God said and then, you know, act in light of that. And you may, you may sit here and listen to this and think, man, I would love that kind of dream, right? Like that's, I need that dream right now. I need the Lord to speak to me in that kind of way to assure me and to, you know, to make those kind of promises to me. And the good news is that he has. Yeah, absolutely. That you don't need a dream. Yeah. Like, that, that, that we are, are called just as, as Paul uh, here to trust the promises of God. You yeah. know, the pro, the, the one reason you may not know them and you may not be hearing them is that you may not be opening his word to see them, right? Yeah. That we need to listen to the word of the Lord, that we need to hear um, the word um, yeah. and, and be encouraged to trust the promises of God, act in light of them even where we are. Yeah, so, and trusting the promises of God begins a step like before that and trusting the character of God, right? Like if we trust the character of God, it then like sets the table for mm-hmm. us to begin to trust the promises of God Absolutely. because he is faithful in his yeah. character, right? Yeah. And he is committed yeah. and he keeps his covenant with his people, right? Yeah. And the same promise that we see um, that we see God delivering here to Paul in this season of perhaps struggle in order to like to bolster his resolve and to encourage him like you said we see it in scripture all over the place and we certainly do we see a great example in Matthew chapter 28 right where there's a very similar call to God's people to to go and to make disciples and to trust in his presence with us right um that he he goes with us he goes before us um, and so the same promise that we the promise that we see that's being made here to Paul, like God's people have that promise yeah. in Matthew twenty eight. Absolutely, absolutely. The same thing. I'm with you always. Yeah, I'm with you always. You know, I think a lot of times uh, I think back to you know people. Um, and you see this a lot with, with people in the church and <clears throat> kind of on a daily basis. A lot of people um, kind of get in this spot to where you know. They hit a they hit a lull, like they're in a rut, and you know don't feel like you know things are going well. Don't really see the Lord working in their life, and um, they would say, "Man, I need a word from the Lord, right? Like I need again, I need I need what Paul gets here." Um, and then you start impli- you start inquiring a bit, and um, and when we get low, the first things to go are time in God's word. Uh, church attendance, mm-hmm. right? Not with God's people, not yes. hearing God's word, not singing God's praise. I'm not being reminded by the church of the promises of God, not getting the promise of God in my own time in God's word. And then what happens? Well, I'm discouraged and I check out or I, I, I fall off the wagon. Yeah. I mean, like the formula is so, so clear. Um, and, and we can't, the we trends can't are the that. same. Yeah, it like, is. They're the same. Um, but we're called in the trials when things are hard, especially when you're tired, right? Yeah. Um, and when you're frustrated to remember the promises of God, to hear them, yeah. remember them and, and, and act out of them. So we've talked a little bit about the value of being in God's word and being familiar. Okay. Being informed um, by God's word about God's character and then knowing his promises, right? We're familiar with his character and so we can believe his promises. Why don't we talk a little bit about how um, being with God's people, like a part of a local church also like affects what we see going on here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that uh, uh, we'll both 
make comments on this, I guess. Um, I think that in some ways, the just the very nature of the community of the church provides a uh, provides a canvas for you know constantly seeing God work even when I don't feel like He's working in my life. Mm-hmm. Constantly seeing people uh, encourage me with the promises of God when they know. Mm-hmm. That, that I'm struggling because they know me, right? Because mm-hmm. this is what church is about. We know each other. We, we're, we're real with each other. Um, and it's a, it's a sense of accountability to make sure that you don't fall off the wagon because you're in a place of not trusting that not only encourages you to trust, but holds you from falling off yeah. so that you don't leave, so yeah. that you don't fall too far away. You know, it's yeah. just the, the very attributes of community. Yeah, helping a, a situation like this, I think. So here we see God encourage resolve in Paul by assuring him of um, his presence and his protection and the uh, his people, like mm-hmm. being there. I have many people here, right? And so one way I think too, like that you've already you've led us into is you know when we struggle and you know when there are dry seasons and seasons of doubt and difficulty why is it important to gather with God's people well because we are seeing that God does have many people right yeah. that um, I, I had a great conversation with a, a friend of mine the other day who was just talking about her struggle to like even even believe like these things now like you know what I mean like to, to just really dark season struggling with what um, with her relationship with God and we talked about the value of gathering together with God's people because when we struggle in like the dark like it's good to come into the light with God's people and to be uh, be assured that we're not the only ones that believe this right because we can begin to tell ourselves that they're like man what am I doing I'm the only one that believes this I'm all alone I'm on an island and then when we gather with God's people we see that that's not the case right we witness to one another and we encourage one another as we sing songs to the lord these Mm -hmm. these truths about who he is and what he's done um as we participate together in cooperative readings and we affirm these words right those are missional Mm -hmm. right and so gathering together with god's people man uh, be aware if you're not in a season of what kind of maybe some of what we see Paul perhaps experiencing here, just difficulty, right? Um, man, know that when you come in, that there are people there among you that might be, right? And so let us be like missional through our participation in worship with God's people, mm-hmm. knowing that that's encouraging for some, you know? Absolutely. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it's good with that. We're on board. And if you're not going through that, like, chances are you probably need to watch somebody that is. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) You know, like, I just think about, like, our church is pretty large, and it's a diverse room every Sunday. Like, I mean, I think about, you know, last Sunday, like, you could look and see a lady whose husband of a bunch of years died within the last month one whose husband's probably about to die people with cancer 
divorce. I mean, like, you get the point, right? Mm. Over the room, just looking. Mm -hmm. But to see people, you know, affirm the goodness of the Lord and hear the word and respond, like, like, for somebody who may think, look, I'm good right now. Yeah. To see that is yeah. encouraging. They, right? Whereas to, you are at times yeah. ministering to them. There's a lot of seasons where they're ministering Absolutely. to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So kind of a detour there, but helpful. helpful. I, think so. I think so. I think so. I want to make one other comment about this section, and you kind of alluded to it. But in the middle of this word from the Lord, there is uh, – the Lord says, I have many in this city who are my people. Well, when we think about the timeline here, Paul's reaching this city, right? Mm-hmm. So this is a, a beautiful picture of the sovereignty of God in, in knowing who will come to him in salvation before they've even come, yeah. right? Which does a couple things. It informs, again, uh, our belief of, of, of God's involvement in salvation, but it should create in us a, um, a commitment to evangelism for no other reason other than that God is going to do what he said he's going to do. If God knows that some will come to faith in him, in this city, then then for Paul, look, the motivation for getting the gospel to those people is all over the place. Why? Because God God already uh, is, is going to do what he's going to do. So, uh, yeah, just the, 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 the sovereignty of God uh, in, in salvation, uh, it implies the the sureness of, of uh, evangelism and um, um this work. Yeah. It's a powerful statement. Jesus says in John chapter six, uh, that no one can come to the father or no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. Yeah. I read that this morning and we see this foreshadowing of that promise in acts 18, where, as you're saying, the people are in like, they're, they're in the midst of being reached, right? Yeah. Like they're in process. Yeah. And and God points towards the work that He is going to accomplish in drawing the people to Himself. Man, that's good. So then, then like sharing your faith doesn't have to be scary, but can be exciting. Yeah, right. Because you know some people reject, but some are going to believe. And that's right? what that's what, yeah. Absolutely. Paul says, you know what? Okay. And then he goes on. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Because there's this Absolutely. we see we know it's affirmed here, but it's still believed here. Absolutely. Right. Like yeah. Paul believes it as he goes across the. Street, but it's affirmed for him by the yeah. Lord, which is a gracious act. Absolutely. Absolutely. So then uh, the promise uh, is realized and, and the Lord keeps his promise with this next little event in verses 12 through 17, where, um, look, a united attack on Paul is tried um, and they bring him before the tribunal, verse 12, and Basically, uh, the powers that be, Galeo, um, you know, says, look, all right, this is... Paul doesn't even have to say anything. No. He he almost stops it. Yeah, no, he does. Paul opens his mouth and he's about to speak and Galeo interjects. It just shuts the whole thing down. Promise kept. So you're like, what's the point of that? That's the promise of um, 
do not be afraid, go on speaking, but don't be silent, for I am with you, and I will let no one attack you or harm you. That's God's promise coming true. Yeah, <laughs> and isn't it interesting? I mean, like, there's no doubt, because Paul, we're going to see Paul mount a defense, and he does not do that absent of the strength of the Lord right. later on in the book of Acts. Here in Acts 18, Paul doesn't say anything. No. Right, and as he is about to open his mouth, Galeo in, interjects and shuts it all yeah. shuts it all down. And so, man, if there was ever a doubt, right, like it's obliterated here, and yeah, that absolutely. the Lord is working, right, and he he brings his will and plan and purpose about here, right. absent from any. Act of Paul. And Paul is obedient to not be silent. In verse 18, after this, Paul stayed many days longer um, and and continued his work there. Paul stays in Corinth like a year and a half or something like that. That's a long time, you know, um, in light of everything that's going on here. Yeah. And isn't it, this is interesting that you say that because he does that later on. He, He begins speaking, but he does, like he begins to open his mouth to speak. Uh, as like he addresses these issues, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's almost as though like the the obedience of his heart, right, and his willingness to do exactly what God has called him to do, go on speaking, do not be silent. He was ready to do that before Galileo, right? And so you think about like he's he's ready to do it. He's taking that step of obedience, and then the Lord is like, I got this, right? Like, I'm like you, your heart now, like, you be encouraged by the posture of your own heart yeah. and your willingness to step forward, you know what I mean? But, like, I'm going to take care of this, and I'm going to f- further fulfill my promise. Yeah, the Lord protects him. And then he does get to open his mouth, That's you know? Right. And so it's, he was prepared to be obedient even before he had to speak. He yeah. was being obedient even no then. No doubt. That's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And then the end of this narrative um, is about how he makes his way back to Antioch. Um, and Priscilla and Aquila are there. And, um, you know, um, the work continues. They get to Ephesus, verse 19. He leaves Priscilla and Aquila there. Um, he goes into the synagogue, reasons with the Jews, continues this work. Um they want him to stay. He declines and and heads back to um, heads back to Antioch. Um, and then from there, he departs and goes to the region of Galatia. And I mean, just continues on, you know. But uh, we, were, we were talking about this a little bit this morning. You know, why is why do we get these details of kind of his his roadmap, right? Why do we, you know? Why? Why do we see the the, the strategic um, nature to which he goes and all? And and as we we're thinking about this, I think it, it for a couple reasons. Uh, Luke, the author of Acts, gives us this. Number one, he's really detailed in his historical account, but I think he shows us again that Paul is very strategic with what he's doing and where he's going. Right? Um, there's also a lesson too that the church that sent him to you know, out, he goes back to, right? Kind of that importance of 
the local church connection there. You know, he goes back to Antioch only to be sent out again. Um, but there, like Paul is, is, is strategic in, in his movements. Uh, not, and we see that from, from what he says and where he says it to whom he speaks. And, but also from just the details to, Hey, look, he goes back to Ephesus and leaves Priscilla and Aquila, but he doesn't stay. And I mean, all of this, all of this is not just do what you want, but it's Paul being strategic when it comes to the mission of the Lord. And man, there are many lessons for us to learn in that. Right? Yeah. I think the help inform uh, kind of this, this last uh, detailed description of how he, how he goes and where he goes. Yeah. It's good stuff. So what's the point of all this? <laughs> what we've seen tonight, what do we say is the kind of the big idea of, of this section. Well, we can ask what we learn about who God is, right? The yeah. character of God is informed in this passage. Um, God is what? I mean, he's he's faithful. Yeah, he makes promises. He's sovereign. Keeps his promises. Yeah, he yeah he's with his people, Absolutely. right? Like just to elaborate a little bit on his faithfulness, right? That he yeah. is he's with them. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's aware. Of, of his servant, mm-hmm. right? That, that that he comes to Paul at the right time, you know, in his timing. Yeah. Um, so I think I think we, we we've got to be encouraged in encouraged to continue the hard work of ministry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, go to your wherever you work tomorrow and work hard and and make some tents, right? And provide for yourself a life that's. Enabling you to do ministry too mm-hmm. there at the job possibly, um, but then also outside of your work and work hard at both. Know that the Lord will sustain you, protect you, be with you. All these things that we're seeing, um, and yeah, uh, I, I go back to the the in the struggle to to remember and to see the promises of God. Um, don't neglect His church and don't neglect His word mm-hmm. um, when. You know, when you struggle, when you when you struggle to to hear God, maybe when you're tired or when you're frustrated or when things are not going well, maybe when you're fearful, right? Um, to uh, to gain strength, to remember the promises, and then the whole point behind all of this is to not be silent, mm-hmm. right? To continue the proclamation, um, which we got to say is what we need to do, right? <laughs> so. Um, we talk about the big idea and kind of how we respond all, all jumbled up into one. But see who God is, see what God's calling his people to do, and then do that. Right? Yeah. No matter what. It mm-hmm. seems to be the heart of what what we see here um, tonight in, in, in Corinth and Acts 18. Yep. So plenty to do. Plenty we have to a do. lot. Yeah, we have a lot to do, guys, for sure. The, uh, the question is, as it always is, though, is will we do it? You know, I go back to what what Paul uh, did last week when he's sitting there and he sees the city full of idols, and then it says he was stirred, right? He was provoked. Um, The seeing part is not where we lack. It's the moving to be provoked that you actually start talking to people um, is where we need to grow. So, So let's pray the Lord will help us to do that. Yes.